This is the Screaming Pods Network on ScreamingPods.com. And now, on with the program. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. We interrupt this program to give you a bulletin just received from one of our naval units at sea. Hello, what have we here? My God, it's full of stars. Xenopod, from the year 5000. Welcome to Xenopod from the year 5000. I am your host, Sean DeRager, and with me today is a man who has traveled millions of miles from Austin, Texas to Southern California just to be with me today because this is the only thing he would drive that far for. Tom Nix, welcome to the Xenopod. Thank you very much. Live in the studio, the Tom Nix in Southern California. Yes. Here to talk about aliens and kids and aliens and kids. <laughs> awesome. I'm glad that I'm the only person you deemed worthy to uh, visit on this trip. I really means a lot. Uh, that, of course, you wouldn't go to L.A. and visit other people there or anywhere else. No, Menifee, California. Really, that's, where yeah. that's where it's banging, brother. <laughs> Vacation destination. <laughs> <laughs> Top of everyone's list. Um, we got some announcements to make, man. You just uh, got the logo today as we're as as we're about to meet up for uh for your new podcast on the Screaming Pods Network starting uh in April. As soon as you hear this, probably within a couple weeks, uh, this will be dropping. So let's wrestling. You you, you know it better than me. Uh, what's it the is name my of? show. Yes, it is your show. Uh, yeah. So I'll. I'll be I'll be debuting a new podcast on the Screaming Pods Network uh, later. I guess like this month when you're hearing it, next month as we're recording it, um, called Wrestling Is Everything, and it is a podcast about wrestling for people who don't care about wrestling. Um, <laughs> the point of it is, um, I want to show where wrestling intersects with all of the interests in the world, whether it be social issues, political issues, racial issues, sexuality issues, pop culture, anything. If you look at anything in the world, at some point, wrestling has brushed up against it or intersected with it. So the first episode is going to be about Sputnik Monroe, uh, the person who uh, ended segregated theaters in the South. The very first non-segregated performance in the entire South of the United States was a wrestling show because one of the wrestlers refused to go on if black people couldn't watch him. So, um, that's it's a nice little bit of history. So, but that's the that's the general that's the general idea nice. is is not to tell you about wrestling or why wrestling is great or go through matches or give my opinions on it. It's just to show all the ways that it touches on the things that everyone's already interested in. So that'll be that's the, that that's the format of the show. Um, it should be like I said, premiering hopefully in uh, in April on Screaming Pods Network. I'm really, really, really excited about it, and the logo is super badass. Thank yeah. you to uh, thank you to Alex Spivey for for uh, designing that for me. Yeah, it's it's gorgeous, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll see if we can play some cards right, and we we'll see about uh, getting everyone in contracts to uh, to get some stickers made. <laughs> yeah, with uh, with. Well, but like so, twenty five percent of that uh, kicks back well, to, to yeah, streaming pods, of course. Yeah, we'll we'll work out some contract. <laughs> I'll get my my lawyers on it uh, right away. That's um, your two dogs. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Bailey and Charlie. <laughs> yeah. Bailey and Charlie associates. Yeah, associates. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're at, they're at our feet today. Like, uh, this is the first kind of in studio podcast I've done since, uh, 
since I did an armchair philosopher episode with my wife, but generally this doesn't happen just because uh, I'm so too, I'm usually way too far away from LA to visit some people that I would like to talk to. Um, and uh, it's just, you know, everyone that's cool is like not in uh, my immediate area. But today someone real cool is in yeah, your immediate you were, area. You were, uh, I'm talking look, about Charlie, by the way. Exactly. Like, <laughs> you, know, you were coming through the area and it worked out that we can sit down and chat about these films and I'm super excited to talk about these. Uh, we're going to be talking about Space Invaders from 1990, and then we'll be talking about uh, the Explorers from 1987, and those are on the agenda today. But first, before we jump into those, like I ask every guest that's been coming on the show, Tom, what is your experience with science fiction? What are kind of the first science fiction movies you watched, and what drew you to that specific genre? I want to say my probably my first exposure to science fiction was probably the Masters of the Universe cartoon <laughs> in the early 80s. If you want to call that nice. science fiction, it's probably no, more I, fantasy. It's probably uh, more fantasy. No, I, I would definitely call it fantasy <laughs> science fiction because it, it, it definitely... You're in a different world. There's the yeah. fantasy element to it for sure, but it's not like Lord of the Rings fantasy. Right. Like there's some right. tech involved with the the fantasy. But like, element. but like Transformers, Voltron, Masters of the Universe. Like when I was you know f- uh, five, six, living in Cleveland, Ohio, those were the first like those were the cartoons that like captured most of my imagination. So like I don't want to say I've been a sci-fi fan exclusively since then, but that certainly was like the grabber of like mm-hmm. the cool robots and the cool creatures, especially creatures have been with me for my whole life. Um, and actually I think I remember my mom pulling me out of class in the first grade, like calling in sick to my teacher. So she, so, so she and I could go see the Dolph Lundgren masters of the universe <laughs> movie, uh, in the theater. Cause it was just my jam. I, awesome. I love that show and the movie, as a kid, wasn't exactly what I was expecting. Yeah. As an adult, it's still really super goofy fun. But I mean, the, that's always been my go-to is like, I, I I like monsters. I like creatures. I like space. I like people who imagine things mm-hmm. into, into reality. So nice. I, I remember I, I dragged my dad to the Masters of the Universe movie. And, and? <laughs> I think that's the one of the first times in the theater that I was like, Oh wow, this isn't what I was expecting at all. And they're not really trying to go for the feel of the cartoon at all, but I just I totally went for it because you know, they still tried to it was it's almost like they looked at what was going on at the time like Star Wars and uh they made it what other movies were around that time? But they made it into kind of just this cheesy sci-fi you know, uh, and they spend, there's like no time spent on their, in their world. Bailey, I know this is hardcore stuff. I know we're talking about some important things. I, just relax. I know, B- Bailey, I was disappointed <laughs> that we didn't get to see much of Eternia either. Eternia, yes. I totally understand. <laughs> but most of that movie takes place on, on Earth, and there's very much the Darth Vader aspect of Skeletor with his, you know, his own version of Stormtroopers and things like yeah. that. And they're, and they're like, oh, lightsabers. What if lightsabers could bend? Let's have a light whip. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll just, we'll just, we'll just beat Dolph Lundgren while he's tied up. That's what kids need to see is their hero being whipped yeah. by a laser chain. I feel so bad for my dad, like that he brought me to that. I mean, I you know, I he 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 took one for the team that day for sure. Yeah. And I now me myself, like being a dad, I I totally get it because 
I'm an asshole as a dad with movies because my kids will ask me to see something and I'll always just be like, we'll just wait till it comes out on, on Netflix. That's fine. You don't use, you don't need to. I'm look, I'm trying to better myself a little bit. I'm trying to be better. Um, but my son does want to see Pacific Rim this weekend. Yeah. Pacific Rim two. So I think for sure we'll be going to that. Like I'm not, you know, but, uh, but I don't know. I don't, I don't think any of my kids have asked me yet to really see something that I knew for sure I would probably be violently opposed to. I think for the most part, um, I'm always down for a trip to the theater. But with Masters of the Universe, I knew for sure that it was not my dad's jam. And, sure. Uh, nor, nor, nor my mother's. Know. Like She just knew that I had a Castle Grayskull at the house, and she knew that I had all the figures, and she knew that my dad used to impersonate a Manny face for me just because it was... <laughs> fun so like she was like oh this movie's coming out she doesn't know anything about movies she just knows that masters of the universe is the thing my son likes let me go watch this movie now like and again like as an adult seeing the canon film group logo (laughs) we should have expected (laughs) that is a seal of quality but but back when you're back when you're seven or eight and you're watching this you don't know what the canon film group means but like going look looking back from that on a on like in with that perspective like knowing who produced it and knowing the types of movies they made it fits directly in the canon <laughs> canon, you know, like it's exactly the kind of movie they make. I just watched, I'll be talking about this on, a on an upcoming episode. If so, it's funny how all these podcasts intersect. So the Screamcast has, you know, we have patron patron members and we call them club scum. Tommy, you are a member of club scum. The, the I'm not going to tell you the inaugural member, but I am the first person to receive their club scum card that I will carry with me. Hell proudly. yes. Hell yes. Um, get that laminated. Um, hashtag, hashtag first. <laughs> but uh, I, I just watched all the Sinbad movies. And of course, one of them was the Lou Ferrigno. Yeah. Canon films yeah. version of Sinbad in the is that the is that is that the uh, Sinbad in the Seven Seas is that right? Yeah, I, I actually own it on DVD. I think. Yes, Sinbad the of the Seven Seas. Is it is it the one with the Poochie, the dwarf being Poochie? Yes. yes. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I have that one on on DVD. Where it's, like, uh, I remember two things. <laughs> I remember three things about that movie. One. There's a character named Poochie. Mm-hmm. Two, they they end up on a ghost ship at one point. Yes. And number three, he gets stuck in a pit, and the way he gets out is by befriending the snakes and allow yes. and allowing and they allow him to tie their heads <laughs> and tails together, and he climbs out of the pit on a rope of snakes. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the three things I remember about that movie. It's fantastic. <laughs> so for for an upcoming episode of Sean's Stack, which is a patron only club scum only episode of for the Screamcast patrons. So if you listen to Screamcast, if you want to become a Club Scum member, there's a little bonus for you. Yeah. Um, I talk about that specific canon film Sinbad movies as well as the uh, the other Ray Harryhausen yeah. Sinbad films. And so, you will also get your less special card because it will be second through yeah, 50th. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, all now all Club Scum cards are not as cool as the one that Tom is holding in his hands right now. Um, all right. Let's jump into these films. Now, well... One one last question here, though, as you were kind of diving into science fiction and fantasy and stuff like that. So you were, you were drawn more to kind of like creature feature type sci-fi. Um, did you ever dive into more kind of heady science fiction like, you know, 2001 Space Odyssey or anything like that? 
What's, so, what's your uh, answer to that? I'm sure we can. I'm sure this will come up later. But like, so the answer is yes. Like I like once I really get into something, I really get into something (laughs) but as a kid like i grew up in a family that didn't care about didn't watch movies Mm -hmm. so like like i would watch tv and he-man would be on so i knew what that was but like i didn't know i didn't know any other way to get content okay then what was on television like we never went to a video store my parents owned zero movies they <laughs> owned zero vhs movies they obviously uh dvd didn't exist back then we did not have a house where we owned movies we would just tape things off television and watch it so in my child brain that was the only content yeah. delivery service that was available to me was what was on tv so i would watch things that popped up but i never sought anything out because because internet didn't exist. I was eight, <laughs> seven, right. and I just, I just had no other way of doing it. So like, it wasn't until I got to college and started like networking with like these film nerds who have been watching, watching mm-hmm. movies from VHS and everything else for their whole lives that I started like digging into everything. And those are the places I started because they were the things that captured my imagination as a kid was like Godzilla yeah. and all, and like all of the monsters, space aliens, that kind of stuff. Nice. Nice. <clears throat> yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't jump into headier sci-fi until I was a little bit older, um, and and I, I'm kind of the same way. Like, and, and you guys will see as the Xenopod goes on, uh, you, you could see we're not diving into the headier elements of science fiction. We, I think we will, but my the soft the, my the soft spot for me, the the G spot in my science fiction. <laughs> Vagina. <laughs> that's, that's what I mean to say. Uh, we're, we're going off the rails really quick here. But um, <laughs> it has always been more fantastical. Give me some aliens. Give me movies like uh, like Roger Corman science fiction stuff. Like uh, Star Crash starring the gorgeous Carolyn Monroe. Who's in... One of the Sinbad films that I will be discussing on a upcoming Sean Stack for Screamcast Club Scum members. Am I plugging this enough? Anyway, you know, just the cheap, you know, the Flash Gordon, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, for me, I- has always been more fun to watch just because, you know, they're, they're trying to do these fantastic things on a budget and... Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like you said, like, I mean, uh, this is the Xenopod. This isn't this isn't like, you know, it's not Sean's Sean's heady sci fi hour (laughs) or it's not like Sean's G spot starring, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, featuring uh, Clit came from outer space. (laughs) It's 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 about aliens. It's about the fun creatures. It's about like the imagination and all that kind of stuff. So like but that's you know, that's. That's why I want to talk about them, because those are the things like more than the heady sci-fi, because I think Primer is freaking great. And there's a bunch of awesome um, there's a bunch of like heady sci-fi that's really enjoyable to watch. It's a movie I saw a couple of years ago called Coherence that I just love. Oh, yeah. I I love it. But but like my first love is monsters and my that will always be my first love. So I'm glad that there's a podcast dedicated to the aliens of the world. Awesome. Awesome. Well, here we are. Well, today, like I said, we'll be talking about uh, Space Invaders and the Explorers. Let's jump into, first of all, Space Invaders from 1990. Woohoo! For years, scientists have speculated that there was intelligent life in outer space. 
Now comes definitive proof that there is no such thing. Come on, open this baby up. Let's see what she'll do. Hit it, Blasney. <laughs> now five misguided Martians have landed in Big Bean, Illinois. Come on, let's kick some earthling butt. <laughs> Looks like you hit something. On Halloween night. Prepare to die, Earth scum. <laughs> Maybe later. Have fun, boys. They think they're wearing Halloween costumes. What a bunch of morons. Perhaps a taste of this death metal. Perhaps I'll just have to remove those little heads of yours. Space Invaders. We did win, didn't we? Space Invaders, uh, like I said, was a 1990 uh, sci-fi comedy directed by Patrick Reed Johnson. And that name, uh, unfortunately, does not conjure up too many films that maybe he's directed. He directed, Tom, uh, in my extensive IMDb research, directed films like Baby's Day Out. Yeah, he was known for like... Very, like, very, very, like, <laughs> not like childish comedies, but like almost almost all of his directorial efforts are like kids movies that have nothing mm-hmm. to do with sci-fi. Right. Uh, he did direct one episode of the TV series Dinosaurs. Not the mama, 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 not the mama. You do that one more time and I'm going to throw you across the room. Ooh. Uh, so this all happened spaced after Space Invaders. Space Invaders was his first directorial uh, effort. I know that he had done some writing. He, gosh, it looks like he wrote the the screenplay Space Invaders as well. And he eventually did write, you know, Dragonheart uh, from 1996, which was okay. I'm actually a fan of, of Dragonheart. It's not just because Sean Connery plays the dragon. Um, but, you know, looking through... Yeah, that's, that's a very large part of it, though. But yeah. But looking through everything he's done... He hasn't really done a whole lot afterwards other than a movie called The Genesis Code, which must be a sequel to The Omega Code or The Megiddo Code or some Christian uh, end of world film, which is uh, what it looks like. Yeah, I I think. And then like he started making that like Star Wars documentary, the 52577. Oh, okay. And then that just never like I'm not even sure if that ever came out. Like maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. But like his career just that was it. Like he just want he just wanted to make that movie. And I don't, I know mm. it's been in production for almost a decade now, I think. Yeah. The first time I heard no, about we're, it. We're, yeah, we're over about 11 years now. Yeah, but I don't, yeah, so. That's interesting. Well, Patrick Reed Johnson, if you're listening to this, um, we're not going to shit on your film, sir. We're not. We are not. I have very fond memories of this movie, <laughs> most of which weren't destroyed when I rewatched it as an adult. <laughs> well, good. Uh, this, this, you know, if you're looking at movies and kind of, for me, there's various scales of movies that I really like and movies that I love. There's, you know, like we're talking about the more heady science fiction stuff. There's more monster driven stuff. And then there's the comedies. And, you know, if a movie can make me laugh or chuckle and enjoy myself for an hour and a half, um, that's always a, a bonus. If I can do the same thing with my kids and not be rolling my eyes, that's another bonus. Mm-hmm. So when Space Invaders first came out, I remember, and this was one of the first movies that I realized that the trailer would have different jokes and lines in it than the actual film. Okay. I can't remember the exact line in the trailer, but it was hilarious, but it never appeared 
in the fi- in in the finished. I film. didn't watch the trailer, so I don't I don't I don't remember this at all. Because I you know I went to the movies a lot as a kid, and I remember seeing the trailer come up, and I was like, that looks funny, that looks good, right up my alley, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so this was 1990, so I was uh, maybe 13, mm-hmm. I think. Um, so in this watching this back now and listening to these jokes like this is this is straight up with my stupid dad sense of humor a movie that i probably if i was ever given a pen or a or you know or a or a keyboard or whatever to write down a script a comedy script like this would probably be what i spit out because for a second for a second i thought i thought you were still connecting back to when you were 13 and i was like oh. i can i can kind of imagine Sean having dad humor at 13 i did have dad humor at 13 though i mean i was i was a huge like dr demento weird yeah. al yankovic yes like you the movie uhf was like a huge part of my life mm-hmm. um just stupid humor man like it didn't have to be witty just if it was just kind of bizarre and funny i was completely in and when space invaders starts you kind of you get a feel like it's cheap b-level science fiction you got their yes. spaceships going you can see the wires yep. on, on your beautiful blu-ray you can see the wires <laughs> Um, but just, you know, the way the aliens talk to each other, there's no elevated speech. No. It's very Americanized, very slang. Yeah. Um, like, and- one of the aliens is, like who apparently have never been to Earth before is inexplicably wearing a bomber jacket and an L.A. Lakers shirt. <laughs> and he talks... And he talks like John Wayne, kind of? It's... it's uh, Oh, my gosh. It's uh, Jack Nicholson mixed with John Wayne. Yeah. Hands down, that's what he's doing. And there's no way he would ever know that. Sorry, no can do. Why not? Well, let's see. We got a torqued out digiframus. Our mega spaz redundancy pile is on the blink, and it looks like we bruised our boo-boo. So we're brought into this intergalactic war. We got the Martians, and they are attacking or trying to conquer some sort of some planet. Yeah, uh, I don't remember the name of it. You have the the overlord guy, the emperor, whoever, who brings in these guys, these and they're all wearing these cool little helmets and these little, mm-hmm. you know, they're obviously little people in these helmets, but the helmets are pretty cool. They are. I was pretty impressed with the the co- the costume design of those. And, uh, you know, he says, we brought in this new robot to help oversee. And it looks like that scanning robot from Empire Strikes Back on Hoth, you know, yeah, with the crazy arms and everything. And where is the Admiral? He summoned us here. The Admiral's tour of duty has ended. And what of the Admiral himself? He has been subjected to disciplinary termination. I have assumed command. This battle group has consistently suffered the greatest casualties of any attack force in the fleet. For this reason, His Imperial Majesty has sent me to take direct control of our attack on the Arcturus system. To ensure our complete success, all ships throughout the galaxy have been equipped with Enforcer drones to remove any weak links in the command chain. Any deviation from the Master Invasion plan will result in immediate disciplinary review. This is outrageous. The tide of battle can change in seconds, making battle plans useless. I'll not send my boys out to Arcturus with an enforcer drone breathing down my neck. I will. Me too, no problem. This is stupid humor for me as a grown-up rewatching this. Like, they got one of the first laughs of the film for me. And, uh, you know, you kind of have to kind of give yourself over to that kind of 
sense of humor and uh, I can totally give myself over to childish sense it's, of humor. That's, it, like th- they are simple jokes, yeah. but a lot, but the like, jokes aren't bad or crude or childish for the most part. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's definitely some like some toilet humor in there, but like, but like, actually, I mean, like, I think one of the gags at the end is literal toilet humor, <laughs> but like, but like it is, it is just, it's just dumb jokes yeah. and that's fun and good. And the movie's still like, you know, I watched this movie over and over and over and over again as a kid. I probably have probably had seen it when I was, so it came out in 1990. So I would have been a nine uh, to 10 and probably from the ages from nine to 11, I probably watched this movie 12, 13, 14 times. Mm-hmm. It was just, I just absolutely loved it. Yeah. We had um, this on VHS and it was, and, and watching it as an adult, there was one moment, which I'll talk about, that like was a legit, I legit laughed out loud, <laughs> like guttural laugh. It was such a good ADR moment. Um, <laughs> um, but like, but like, but like the jokes still work. The aliens are still super adorable and endearing and the townspeople are good. Um, like they're, they're good characterizations. Um, it's still, it still works. It doesn't work as well as it did when I was eight. Right. But like, I don't look at this movie and think like, Oh, you know, this is just stupid humor for stupid kids just to distract them for an hour and a half. There's a really good plot in here. Like the, the, the crux of the movie is these aliens hear an errant broadcast of War of the Worlds from like yeah. a, a small town on Halloween is broadcasting it. They pick up the broadcast and they think that, you know, much like how, how, how the, the earthlings in the, uh, when was War of the Worlds? Fifties? Yeah, like yeah. In the fifties, when they heard it the first time, well, they, no, I, actually thirty eight. Thirty. Wow. Oh, geez. Okay, thirty eight. Hello. So, Twenty years off. Yeah, no deal. That's fine. But like, <laughs> but like, when the Earthlings heard it, or people of Earth heard it, they, honest to God, thought that aliens were invading part of the of 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 the of the uh, uh, the, the country, and there was a panic in some yeah. areas. Flip that. A, a Martian hears it and thinks that there's a war going on that he's missing out on. Right. And they need to be part of the force that conquers Earth. So, th- like, th- that's a great framework for a movie. That's a really good, you know, hook. Yeah. Um, and they crash land on Earth and find out that none of that is happening <laughs> and that everyone is just trying to have Halloween and it was just a joke. Mm-hmm. And they just, it's, you know, a lot of it's like, not, 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 not a comedy of errors, but just the whole fish out of water stuff. Yeah. It's, it, but it's yeah. enjoyable. It's enjoyable fun. Well, it, it, and it's great because it takes place on Halloween. Yes. And it is, the, the town's name is Big Bean. Big Bean. It's like Big Bean, Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you have the new sheriff in town who obviously came from, I guess, a bigger city. Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then his daughter who is getting ready to go to Halloween with all of her friends. And she's worried that nobody's going to get that she's an alien. Cause she's right. like, a, she's actually a little, like almost a xenomorph, very yeah. xenomorph inspired. Uh, yeah, extremely xenomorph inspired. And then, and then like the only <laughs> other kid that you really meet is in a duck costume. The whole yeah. movie, but, like one person's a duck and someone's a clown and someone is like all of the standard, you know, Halloween fare. Wow. That's the best alien costume I've ever seen. Thanks. I like yours, too. My mom made it. She really went to a lot of trouble. What are you supposed to be, anyway? 
I'm a duck. But yeah, I mean, she really spent a lot of time making this really, you know, as accurate as you possibly can be without going into copyright um, <laughs> uh, xenomorph costume. And like she said, like she's she's a sci-fi kid, a sci-fi dork, and a bunch of people from the small town just aren't into the same stuff she is. So she thinks she's going to be immediately outcast. Yeah. Little does she know that other actual aliens are mucking yeah. about. And Halloween's perfect because it looks like they're in costume. Yep. Let's let's go over the uh, the names of <laughs> these aliens here. Uh, we have the smart mouth pilot Blazney. 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 Okay. I think so. Uh, we have uh, Captain Bipto. Love it. Uh, Lieutenant Gizzywig. Uh, Dr. Ziploc. Love that, that one. They, they didn't really think too hard on that one. No. Uh, and then Corporal Pez. Also which, great. Obviously, he's looking around the room. We got a Ziploc bag over here. <laughs> uh, Ziploc. Uh, oh, I got this Pez. This Pez. Hey, Pez. We got a Pez. Um, I want to say Captain Bipto is like probably some kind of like Pepto-Bismol joke. Yeah, probably. Now, one of these guys meets an unexpected uh, end early on. Uh, is that everyone I mentioned? Did one of them? Uh, one of them did die. No, did they? no, 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 no. Uh, uh, none of them he, died. He gets hit by a car. Yeah, that's Captain. Fine? So uh, that's Captain Bipto. Right, right, right. Captain right. Bipto gets hit by. So like Captain Bipto is is, is the guy who <laughs> who orders who orders them to go to Earth. Yes, yes, yes. The pilot is like. He's the no, one that talks like, like this. <laughs> yeah, we're doing Jack Nicholson mixed with John Wayne. This idea just isn't very good, Jack. And <laughs> like, but like, uh, the captain is extremely overzealous. He wants to impress his commanders. He wants to be in the fight. So he's always the one pushing everyone along. And uh, yeah, he gets hit by a car. Uh, actually, the what like the villain of the piece, uh, the 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 bank guy, he's mm-hmm. the one that actually mm-hmm. hits him. But then he just ends up in a use like in a in a car repair shop That's with right. with the guy who he turns into a robot. <laughs> like he puts a thing on his neck and he becomes like a slave to the aliens. <laughs> so like he gets hit by a car, but he's fine. And then uh, Blasney gets shot by one of the uh, by the droid at one point, mm-hmm. but he's fine. So, it's fine. so this is family friendly. Yeah, uh, none know? of the core aliens die. Okay. Movie, okay, okay. which is good some of them do get you know harmed but not really because the guy gets hit by a car and he's totally fine like totally fine five minutes later like there's not even like a <laughs> a recovery scene like he, he literally gets scraped off the front of the car with like a big you know crowbar almost right and then he's just fine <laughs> yeah just yeah. like you know uh, just like how wiley coyote's fine okay so there you know obviously he's they're they're he's writing this with uh, the kids in mind yeah i uh i watched this with my kids uh and they absolutely uh, adored it um they had a lot of fun with this flick and I believe Mill Creek put it on Blu-ray. They did. Um, it, they did. It, it looks okay. Uh, but, but this isn't, ex- you know, we're not really expecting any sort of uh, criterion level restoration of Space Invaders. No. Or anything. And but, the people that it was important to are not, you know, like it's a fun movie, but you don't need to go crazy with a restoration of Space Invaders. Yeah. It's just, it's a bunch of jokes and little people in suits. and what what's uh, What was the overall... Plot, not not plot, but what was the goal uh, of the the aliens? Are they just are they just stuck there? So here's, uh, trying to get home, at, or, or are they trying to fulfill their mission of uh, conquering Earth? So the first half of the movie is them trying to conquer Earth, mm-hmm. and like they 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 go trick or treating, and they're very. <laughs> it doesn't sound like a good plan, but they do go <laughs> trick or treating, and um and like 
the the first part is them trying to conquer Earth. Then that that evil robot that we saw in the beginning, right. like I guess every ship has one now. Yeah. So it detaches once once Blasney figures out that this was all a joke and it was not. There is no invasion. That's when the the drone activates and says, "I got to kill everyone now because they totally screwed the pooch. Right, so they right. need we to die. Them some yeah, sort of mission. So, so, so I'm, I'm going to kill everybody because they're 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 you know they're they're mess ups and losers. <laughs> so then the then the movie becomes escaping from the drone and then also the 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 spacecraft is completely damaged so they need to get off the planet back to mars um so yeah about halfway through it it stops being a how are we going to take over the world and becomes a how do we help these idiot aliens because that's really all they are is just dumb just dumb aliens um how do we get them off the planet and back home because the drone has like a weapon that will blow up the entire earth. Basically it's like, because they screwed up in order to cover all of our tracks, we're just going to blow up the planet and then no one will ever know that, 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 that Martians are this stupid. Yeah. Well, this is also another uh, movie where basically, you know, artificial intelligence is evil. Yeah. Uh, which we keep trying are to make. Ma- are there, are there, are there many movies where artificial intelligence is evil? You know, I think evil? real life is proving that artificial intelligence, uh, is evil because you had that self-driving Uber car. Yep. That runs over a pedestrian. Yes, it does. Uh, so it's like we keep trying to create this artificial intelligence and I, like movies have been out for so long since, you know, forever. Telling us that that's probably not a good thing, and we keep trying to do that. Yep. Uh, why? Why? Wait, why? Humanity does stuff that's harmful to itself. <laughs> what? Why, why is humanity so stupid, Tom? <laughs> can we answer? Can we dive into a more of a philosophical conversation here about uh, the stupidity of humanity and why we keep trying to create things that will ultimately mean uh, end up with our untimely deaths? I'm sure we can do that. I Are mean, we, it's just it's the it's the ultimate fallacy of humanity by filling the void within us with with, with material things and trying to make an a, a Maybe if we make an intelligent being, it will teach us how to live better. Hence why we stare into our phones all the time. <laughs> um, but uh, but no, like and, and unfortunately, in a movie like Space Invaders, uh, there are other life forms out there that have the same struggles <laughs> with AI, but they're dumber than we are. Right. Right. So uh, unfortunately, we can't look to the stars for this for, for the for the answer to this to this equation because I feel like if this movie were made in 2018. Um, the aliens would have problems with Facebook too. So, <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean like it's, I much, much like anything with humanity, I think all of our decisions come from the desire to fill some kind of void. <laughs> so it's, you know, we will, we'll, we'll make a, we'll make a Facebook, we'll make a phone, we'll make this because if they do this, if, if we have the machines do these menial things that we don't want to do, then our lives will be free and we can not focus on them anymore even though all ultimately all we do is like, oh, I don't have to do this task anymore. That gives me more time to look inside myself and hate everything that I see. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but, but we're, we're, we're trying to let's, let's lighten the mood a little bit, I guess. We're going to kids we'll go down movies. And, kids movies. <laughs> fun, fun. So uh, when I saw this in 1990, I did see this in the theater. I think I went with my family or something like that. Yeah. And um I remember thinking it was okay. I remember walking out thinking like the fir- like I said the first thing that I thought about was 
wow, there are some jokes that didn't make it into the final film. Like, where did those go? And even scenarios um, that I was expecting to see and didn't see. And I almost was like thinking about that more than the movie. Sure. Um, but I, I remember it ended up enjoying the film enough. And then the next time I saw it, I was, of course, a parent and watching it with my kids. And it was a and it was cool to kind of see my kids enjoying it. And it was cool to see like that I didn't actively hate this film as right. an adult. Because a lot of the times when you revisit films that you loved as a kid, depending who you are, I'm pretty easy to kind of reconnect with my the childhood inner self and watch a movie through those eyes. Um, there are some movies, I think, as I got into college, like The NeverEnding Story, that I ha- almost went through a time where I was like, yeah, that's not a good movie. Why did I like that? To now that I have kids who've seen it, I'm like, no, that was a really good movie. Why did I ever think that it wasn't a good movie? So I kind of go in these like little roller coaster rides mm-hmm. in some of these films. But for the most part, where I am, am now, I'm able to kind of sit and watch especially if I'm watching with my kids, which even makes it even better, uh, watch them through like my 13 year old eyes or whatever. But see, I think I, even at 13, I was a little too old for who they were aiming for. Yeah. I think, I think I came up with the, about the right age. Like yeah. I said, I was nine when it came out, you could probably still be younger and enjoy it. But like in the single digits is probably where you want to be to like fully get the true. Enjoy- and like I told you, like this movie was, I adored it i mean it wasn't just oh that was fun i like it i completely completely fell in love with this movie i think i even like so like they have this little robot helper in mm-hmm. the movie i forget the name of it i yeah. think it's like short stuff or something like that something what like they that. call him but like i think i made him out of clay and made him into a christmas ornament when i was a kid nice because i just i just loved that guy so much um yeah this was like uh, in a lot of ways this was my et growing up you know <laughs> um so yeah and so again like and i was nervous watching it thinking like okay, am I going to find out that I was just a real stupid kid that like real stupid stuff? But I still, you know, I still have some jokes. I love the joke where the, there's a, there's three old people outside like sitting, sitting out there. And like the wife is kind of giving her husband shit because like (laughs) when, when the world of the world's broadcast originally aired, he had like thrown a bucket on his head and like went to go fight the Martians somewhere. And then they were like, you know, they basically settle on like, Oh, you know, it's a good thing. Martians don't exist. Then the, the ship blows past them and blows them off the porch. And then in the, in a wonderful bit of ADR, the old woman's like, I'll get the bucket. (laughs) And I just thought that was amazing. I thought that was just a great joke. (laughs) It's funny, man. It, it's you know, it's funny. It's 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 sweet with uh, the sheriff and the daughter's kind of relationship. Like yeah. there's there's hints to. I don't know uh, if the mother had left or the mother died. died. I'm assuming, died. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, most of these movies, if it's a father and daughter alone, the mother died. And, yeah. Um, and there's so there's there's that element to it that kind of you know uh, adds a little bit of gravity, I think, to the movie. Uh, yeah, this was a lot of fun to, to revisit. Um, and then, and then, like you said, like their one, their one friend, the, the this poor black kid with the with the duck bill. Yeah, he's in and a, and is he talking in character or is that how he talks? Like, is he trying he to be talks the character? That, he talks that way. So this is a weird thing about this movie. <laughs> there is a character introduced who I need to point this out because I have Wikipedia pulled up for this. His character's name is Brian Hampton. But because that, I think he might say his name is Brian one time on mm-hmm. Wikipedia. It is listed. His character is listed as Brian Hampton in parentheses duck <laughs> because he spends the entire movie 
almost the entire movie, uh-huh. except for the last scene, in a full-blown duck costume. All right, where's your space zip? What's a space zip? And what are you? I'm a carnivorous duck, and I'm in a bad mood. Now start talking, or I start eating. Which I understand is big and bulky, and you can't take it off all the time, but he has a removable duck bill that's around his head, Yeah, he and that duck know. bill stays on the whole movie, and this kid has a horrible lisp, <laughs> like he speaks, he speaks with a very bad speech impediment, and he's not doing a character because when he takes when he like when he takes uh, all the costume off at the last scene of the movie, he's still talking like that. And I honestly thought maybe like they hired this kid because he looked good, but he had a really bad voice, or maybe he talked in a different way than they wanted, and they and they thought the lisp was cute. I honestly thought this kid was ADR'd almost the whole movie because he never took the duck bill off. That's funny. It's ridiculous. It is funny that the duck bill never came off because there's so many points, so many... Like he's running for his life from aliens for most of this movie and like just take the duck bill off. Like that can't even be comfortable. Like the suit notwithstanding, this big bloated turkey looking duck suit. Um, Yeah, anyway, there's a kid dressed as a duck who talks with a lisp. It's it's, not like he's wearing like sweatpants and like a duck bill. It's like... It's a a full blown duck duck suit. He's a duck. He's a duck. <laughs> He's a duck, um, but yes, yeah, so that's it's a it's a very it's a very it's a very, it's very strange. But I you know again it's it's fun and enjoyable and yeah, like we said at the beginning, we're not gonna like poo poo on this guy's film because generally no. speaking, it's it's really good. I think um, it's fun. Yeah, it's definitely fun to break out with you if you have kids to break it out and watch it with them. Like they'll definitely appreciate it. Uh, it's it's a Halloween movie, so yes, you know around Halloween, yes. pop this thing out just for a fun time. I mean, put this on, yes. have some drinks, and just watch the the craziness. I mean, it's not. It's definitely aimed at kids, but it, there's there's enough there. I think if you're in the right, I mean, if you're listening to, the, to this podcast, you're in the right frame of mind. I think. Uh, you're the kind of person that I think would get a lot out of this. The, yeah, it's and it's it, there's just full of and there's like there's like little references thrown in like yeah when the, like to other sci-fi movies like obviously you've got the xenomorph costume but like the uh like the the, the goofball deputy who is like under the sheriff mm-hmm. he he sees the alien ship pass him yeah. and it like sunburns half his face like right. like Richard Dreyfus in in thir- in the yeah. in the Close Encounters like that's a reference um but like I said like the Halloween stuff is just fun like there's a guy dressed as Zorro who's a big dork and it's super funny and the main villain has this really bad southern accent like a southern accent villain but they're in illinois they're in illinois but he, <laughs> he has like a very like a very like good old boy yeah you know, kind of accent and then inexplicably he dresses as something that looks like hulk hogan it probably isn't actually hulk hogan <laughs> but he has like he has like the long blonde hair and a mustache and he's wearing like a cape of, mm-hmm. of sorts and for the rest of the movie, the entire rest of the movie, when he's in that costume, he talks like this the whole time. <laughs> even when there's aliens, even when he's trying to make a plan, even when he's like trying to like figure out what's going on, he's very committed to his Halloween he just, costume. He's like, "No, I'm Hulk Hogan, brother. We got to do this right. We got we got to take our vitamins and say our prayers, brother." What? And it's just, it's just, it's just, there's a lot of just, people really commit to how goofball this movie is. So funny. Well, the one, there's a few notes here on this movie. Um, 
that it, it looks like most of the special effects shots were done in camera. That so that's another thing. Me. Like, like, well, you know, like I said, with the, with the spaceships at the beginning of it, you can see some of the strings. But I really appreciate that. And especially in early 90s. But like computer effects didn't really get full blown until I mean, there was the last Starfighter, which had some there. And then Jurassic Park was obviously the one that kind of put uh, computer graphics on the map, you know, yes. as far as like all movies using this. Tron, of course, had some. Uh, I believe the Explorers that we'll talk about in a little bit had a little bit. But um, but it's fun. Like this one, I think, was most like it being mostly practical is actually pretty fun. And I, and I think it actually helps movies like this kind of stand the test of time I think a little more because even though like practical effects look a little chintzy sometimes you can notice they're practical yeah like they almost hold up in the long run more than aged digital effects oh 100% you know, like Mortal Kombat or like even yeah. early like The Mummy like, or like uh, that. these aliens look really good but, and like again we'll talk about it but like the aliens in Explorers look great yeah i mean even by today like yeah. they match their lips up so like it is a it's they look yeah. great yeah um, these, these were animatronics right these uh the this this the little aliens in this one were animatronics you can kind of like you can tell it's animatronic especially when the lips don't match they up. don't match the yeah it's very like, like it's a bit I wonky i think i think the pilot matches okay yeah but a lot of the other ones are just they're just well, he's, the pilot, he's out. talking slower, like yeah. Jack Nicholson, John Wayne, kind <laughs> of talking slower. So I think it was easier when you get the yeah. the other guys are talking faster. It, it's, yeah. it's, a little, it's a little bit wonky. My ship got blown up into five easy pieces. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 good. It's yeah, it's yeah, it's it's good. The animatronics are fun. The suits are good. I mean, for obviously a not high budget movie. Yeah. And now that you're th- now that you say in camera. I because I th- like uh, one of the images that's been in my head for 25 years is when the alien ship is trying to take off and it can't mm-hmm. it like bounces up and down the road like it's like a rock skipping mm-hmm. and I, I think you're right I think they just picked it up on a string and yeah. just laid it back down again yeah there's also a shot in the movie that I only saw as an adult that blew my mind so there's a scene this is this is the scene it's a truck driving down a road it's a wide shot of a truck driving driving down a road with with um ADR over it the entire thing is a miniature. <laughs> the truck is not real. The dust wow. is not real. The scenery is not real. Instead of just shooting a truck driving, they made a <laughs> miniature set and a miniature truck and with a string and drove the truck along a fake road for a wide that's shot. That's funny. It's I'm, crazy. That's weird. I wonder, I, I, <laughs> there's no spaceship in the background. Right, there's, right. There's nothing chasing it. It is literally a wide shot of a truck driving down a dirt dirt road, and they did the entire thing in minutes. I'm trying to think, like, if that was just, I mean, what what would be if it it obviously had to been maybe a pickup shot or something that they're back in L.A. and they're like, do we have any gravel roads nearby? No. Do we have any permits? No. All right. Well, um, we have a miniature truck laying around over here. We got this over here. Let's try to pull this together really quick. Or. Or maybe it's one of those things where it's like we like we shot on location, but we need this like we we like the actors went home and we just need a truck driving. Yeah. And but like but like maybe the road we have like there's there's a house in the way or there's a like a a gas station that we can't get around. So we'll just make the whole thing. Just it was just bizarre to me that a a, a literally it's 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 a wide shot of a truck driving. It's all (laughs) miniatures and it's nuts. And I love it. They could have just called my dad at the time. He he owned a truck. They could have hooked him up. Um, anyway, yeah, this is a lot of fun. You can find this on Mill Creek, uh, 
Blu-ray for probably like seven bucks or something like that. Uh, nine yeah. bucks. Like you said, I mean, like you said, the transfer isn't great. There's barely any special features, if any. The yeah. menu is basic as hell. I think I bought it, it just for seven bucks. Huh? It just started for me. I it just, just oh, put yeah. the Blu-ray and it just starts. Yeah, it's. But yeah, I mean, if you. But I, I think I think if you are an adult watching this movie for the first time, it's going to be okay to find at best. If you watched it as a kid. It will still hold up. It's probably a oh. little, probably a little better. It's probably a little better than you remember it. But like, if you're just going into this saying, I want to watch a space movie, it's going to, it's, it's a, it's okay to find. You yeah. Know? yeah. It, it, it's a, it's just a fun little yeah. sci-fi alien comedy, but uh, very, I mean, you need to, you need to realize this was made with the audience intended. The intended audience was 10 year old kids. Yeah. Like for sure. And yeah. you know, it's fun. It's fun. It, it, it it holds up pretty well from what I was was considering. Yeah. I mean, it held, it holds up better than the say like, well, like you know, I don't know what, what would be comparable to this. Uh, I don't know most kid movies after that just seem to. I don't know. It just seems like they put enough time in this to really make it something a little special. Yeah, as this, opposed to disposable. Uh, this was not like a like a carbon copy. Like this wasn't a th- this wasn't trying to ape a you know a successful movie this wasn't like one of those like cheaply you know just produce things just to get it out like you could tell that whoever wrote this or the guy who did write it um the director like had an idea he wanted to make a fun kids movie the the animatronic aliens are very good the drone is very good the ship looks good like for a not hugely budgeted movie there was there was resources and care put into this thing. Like yeah, they, 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 they this was not just you know wham bam thank you ma'am entertainment. Like they tried. Yeah, they tried to do something with this. I know he did. I'm wondering if, if just because the the differences from the the trailer to the final film, I'm wondering if this went through some test screenings and things like that. And I'm wondering if sure. behind the scenes the studio tried to mold this into something a little more mainstream. I guess, but you can you can tell through the references with Orson, especially Orson Welles and the. Of the worlds and some of the uh, some of the other references in the film that uh, Patrick Reed Johnson is a fan of early sci-fi and a lot yeah. like you know I'm not putting him on the level of Joe Dante because Joe Dante is a uh, completely other level but there are the references in this film you know that are very Joe Dante ish in a sense because Joe Dante likes to put it little references to his yes. uh, the love of sci-fi or horror or genre pictures in general as, as a kid I, th- I think I, th- I think the best comparison and there is a comparison I think like Patrick Reed Johnson appreciates sci-fi and Joe Dante loves it right you know right 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 yeah speaking of Joe Dante Tom let's uh let's put space uh, invaders down and uh, let's jump into 1987's explorers. Explorers 
coming this summer from Paramount Pictures. The adventure begins in your own backyard. I watched this movie for the very first time ever in my life on the plane. <laughs> Sean shaking his head in disbelief. <laughs> I didn't watch E.T. until I was 36, Sean. Wow. This, so this is a, this is a, it's, I'm playing catch up on a lot of these kids movies. Um, but I want, I watched uh, Explorers for the very first time. I uh, downloaded it to my iPad and I watched it on the plane ride uh, out to LA. And this movie blew me away. Like it's, Excellent. Wow. And, and I don't know if it's, I don't know, I don't know if it's because I'm an adult and I can see myself in those kids and I can also see myself in the Dick Miller character. And I think there's a lot of intelligent um, plotting and storytelling going on. I, I, this movie, I mean, this, this movie, I, I, I was just locked to my screen for the whole almost two hours. I just didn't expect this to be the type of movie that it was. Nice. It's, I really liked it a lot. Very nice. I, I keep saying 87. It was 85. Yeah. I apologize for those of you keeping score. Um, We're nerds. We're keeping score. <laughs> probably. But um, I was trying to put myself in the mind. I don't know where I saw 87. You know, I think that on Voodoo it's at 87 because I checked this before. Okay. Anyway, um, just trying. I was just trying to put my. No, you know what? You know what it is. You know what it is. I recently did a little thing for Mike Delaney and Splathouse about RoboCop, ah. and that's eighty-seven, and that's why I'm thinking of the year nineteen eighty-seven. I've spent way too much time talking about this. So, but nineteen eighty-five uh, film explores and this was like I said on the last podcast episode. This was one of my all-time favorite VHS rentals between like you know whenever it came out of vhs now when these came out i don't think i saw this in the theater uh i think when this came out on vhs because i was eight years old when this came out and i must have missed it in the theater but i know that when it finally hit vhs that when i was given the option i rented this thing all the time like almost more like star wars was my thing and i there's a time where i was running return of the jedi a lot but i've think that I rented this way more than Return of the Jedi, or I would rent them both. I remember, I vividly remember grabbing both Return of the Jedi and Explorers and renting them, you know, for the same weekend. And this is just a movie that I've, I've always watched whenever, whenever there was new people around and hanging out and they're like, what movie do you want to watch? And I'm like, the Explorers. And I would introduce <laughs> like my nerdy friends to Explorers. I don't know if they liked it as much as me. But there was just something about, you know, this team of kids kind of discovering something otherworldly and getting like these instructions on how to build some sort of, um, you know, spaceship to travel out and and go on a little journey. And like that, I think, for me, was the most appealing aspect of the film. What's so funny? That was great. That was incredible. Next time, next time we'll bring more air. Next we'll time, higher, and we'll explore. Listen, Ben, I'm not going to get in that thing again till we find out exactly where those programs are coming from. And we need to run tests. Yes, we have we'll to run hundreds upon hundreds of serious tests. You know, it could take years. What are you talking about? That was the most important thing that ever happened. Uh, couldn't you feel it? That feeling way inside. We were flying. Come on, Ben, make some sense. We almost didn't come back, but we did come back. 
here we are. What do you think? We should trust the dream, right? Sorry, man. I want to live. But we have our own spaceship. Um, and then, of course, when you get to them actually meeting the aliens and that whole, all that stuff, um, it's just so wacky and well done. And, and, and I was way into aliens and special effects and, and all that stuff as a kid. So I think I just gravitated to both of those, you know, both of those aspects of the film. But there's so much going on with this film um, that we need to get into. Of course, directed by Joe Dante. The best. The He's, best. I feel like... The best. I feel like as I get older, I appreciate him even more and more. Um, of course, Joe Dante and Gremlins and Gremlins 2. Gremlins 2. <laughs> Charlie, stop. Please stop. <laughs> uh, uh, Charlie and I locked eyes. And then, and, and then I guess I guess he decided to like to like show off his masculinity by, I guess. by like dragging his butt around the room. It yeah. was uh, Don't tell my wife, she'll freak it, out. It was an adorable display of masculinity, yeah, Charlie. Uh, no. Charlie, you're you're a big strong man. <laughs> <laughs> We're leaving that in. I'm I'm not even gonna edit. Um I remember when Gremlins came out, I forced my parents yep. to take me to Gremlins. And I was crying on the floor probably for the last half of that film. Once the gremlins turn and they're evil and mm-hmm. people die. Yeah. Um, I think that was legitimately my first horror film and definitely the first monster movie I watched that actually scared me. Um, cause I thought it was just going to be a comedy and I talked my parents into it like, Oh, it's just a comedy. You know, it's especially as a young kid. Like it's not like there's no. a lot more going on there. Um, no, it's not. A, I mean, like, yeah, it starts out as a comedy and it is funny. Yeah. But there is it is not like the, the point of that movie is not to make you laugh. You know, <laughs> like and I like, so I was I, I watched that movie for the first time. I'm not sure. It must have been on TV because, like I said, we don't really we didn't really watch movies when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to struggle with how I watched it. Yeah. Um, but I watched it when I was. It was in Michigan. So I I lived in Michigan for like one year. It must have been 1980. Seven, I think, when I was in Michigan. So we, I watched that movie. It must have been with my mom. And I, I remember having a huge nightmare about it. Not because the gremlins were scary, even though they, even though I remember being scared by the skeleton jumping yeah. out of the pool. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. Oh, my like, God. That was, it was a big, big, good jump scare. But that my dad was a construction worker. And he might have been early construction management at the time. But he would work 85, 90-hour-a-week jobs because he had three kids. And he needed to support his kids and his family. So he worked all the time. And one of the... One of the stories that um, is it Phoebe Cates mm-hmm. who she's telling the, she's Phoebe telling the story Cates. to Zach to right right <laughs> I, I'm going to the same place you are brother um, but like she's telling the story to Zach Brannigan what's his last name sure I feel like I'm saying Zap Brannigan which is from Futurama but, anyway, <laughs> um, but the the other the, the the guy and she's telling the story about like how her dad died 
because he slid down the right. chimney. Like he dressed as Santa Claus because he was never home and he wanted to surprise them for Christmas. So he like slid, he wanted to slide down the chimney with a bag full of presents and be like, <laughs> I'm Santa Claus. And it's not, not only that he got stuck in the chimney, but like she specifically says that like his throat got caught on a nail. <laughs> I haven't watched this movie in 20 years and that, that still is in my brain because I had nightmares. That, like, I, yeah. like, like I never seen my dad. What if he gets the same idea and he's going to die trying to be nice to me? My, I watched Gremlins with my kids. I was like, I was trying to, let's watch it. Let's, and I totally forgot about that scene. Yeah. And that scene's going along. And this was before my oldest, you know, stopped believing in Santa Claus. And, and I remember in my mind going, oh, f- Fuck, I forgot about this. And it's the most morbid scene. <laughs> it's just you, you can disturbing. watch as a kid. Now I have another reason to hate Christmas. Okay, what are you talking about? The worst thing that ever happened to me was on Christmas. Oh God, it was so horrible. It was Christmas Eve. I was nine years old. Me and Mom were, were decorating the tree, waiting for Dad to come home from work. A couple hours went by. Dad wasn't home. Mom called the office. No answer. Christmas Day came and went, and still nothing. So the police began a search. Four or five days went by. Neither one of us could eat or sleep. Everything was falling apart. It was snowing outside. The house was freezing, so I went to try to light up the fire. And that's when I noticed the smell. Firemen came and broke through the chimney top. And me and Mom were expecting them to pull out a dead cat or a bird. And instead, they pulled out my father. He was dressed in a Santa Claus suit. He'd been climbing down the chimney on Christmas Eve, his arms loaded with presents. He was going to surprise us. He slipped and broke his neck, died instantly. And that's how I found out there was no Santa Claus. And then both my kids are like, but Santa's really real, right? I mean, you wouldn't dress up like Santa and go down the... Can you wouldn't die because Santa's real, right? I'm like, And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, Santa's real. Yes, yes. And, of course, then my daughter later on was like, so, so Dad, are, is Santa real? You know, and oh, my Thanks, God. Thanks, Joe Dante. Yeah. Thanks for screwing up the uh, the uh, Duregger family for life. <laughs> well, I mean, and it's funny because I hadn't thought about it because when I was a kid, because I was raised in a super religious family, my parents felt that doing Santa Claus and all that kind of stuff would be lying to me. Uh, just too pagan for them? It, it, they didn't want to have to lie to oh, me. okay. Got it. There's a whole other can of worms we can open <laughs> up right there, but it's okay. Uh, well, we won't go there because this is not the Archer Philosopher. This is Xenopod from the year 5000. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so Joe Dante is just fantastic. Um, like I said, his movies seem to grow on me, grow on me more and more as I watch them. Um, for all the movies that I've seen, I feel like uh, Explorers is his most kid-friendly 
And I don't have I don't have his whole filmography in front I mean, of me. And maybe, I was wondering what you think about that. Maybe maybe Looney Tunes back in well, action, okay. but like but like that, okay. that that's obviously like a that's a franchise right. entry about cartoons. Yeah, yeah but, yeah. but like of the movies that like that like he actually either directed, created, like he like uh, Gremlins is his creation. I guess Small Soldiers would be a close second, that, I guess. Th- that but that that movie is a little violent, and the like the. The small soldiers are dicks. <laughs> so, like, I mean, it's certainly okay. it's not it's not it's not it's not a it's, it's not it's not a non-family friendly movie. But I think Explorers is definitely the most like the, the most akin to a yeah, DT no, or the so. most akin to like an actual kids movie. Yeah, and one of like I think this is the other difference between Patrick Reed Johnson and Joe Dante is again like when you're watching Space Invaders. It's someone writing children, like they're writing dialogue yeah. for children. They're right. They're they're writing children's parts in Explorers, and I forget the screenwriter. It's not Joe Dante, but like it's Eric Luke. But Eric Luke is those kids. Like those kids feel like kids. Yeah. They have the like they're so in love with sci-fi or whatever they're into. Because I know Darren's not really into sci-fi at all. He's into Bruce Springsteen and looking cool. <laughs> but like those kids feel like actual kids and, yes. and, and explorers is a perfect name for this movie yeah that is exactly what it's about it's about the the curiosity of discovery not only finding space and finding aliens and doing science finding out who you are what you stand for what's important to you mm-hmm. that's all part of the exploring and it's a, it's i like i said i fell in love with this movie yeah. like well, i think it's absolutely a wonderful wonderful yeah a, a wonderful kids movie because the messages are great. But as an adult, I can look back and say, oh, I was that kid. I yeah. was I was elements of all three of those people. Um, and and then when they finally do get to space and they do meet the aliens, it's so out of left field. Like you don't expect the aliens to be as goobery as they actually yeah. kind of are. I've waited all my life to say this. Be my guest. We come in peace. Great, now try how do we get back to our ship. No, no, just give him a minute. He's probably just translating in his head. See, if we can communicate, he can give us the answers to anything. He's about to say something. What's up, Dad? What? Like it's it's a it's a it's a version of aliens that I had never really seen before in those kind of sci-fi movies, and that was refreshing. And like I told you, the practical effects in that spaceship and the aliens themselves yeah. are top notch. Oh, they, like, they, I mean, they look they look great. They look amazing. And, uh, and also, well, it's it's ILM. Yeah, I but. mean, it, it is a no brainer. <laughs> it's, it's they look fantastic, and 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 the the genesis of this film is a little bit baffling to me. Just just looking at Joe Dante's career and everything and it's just it's but i mean but back to your point about how the kids feel like they're kids like i was that age yep i was those kids age in that during that film yeah and i think the reason i gravitated 
to it as well, like so much was I, I really, I think connected with Ethan Hawke's character. Mm-hmm. Um, which I got to say, he looks nothing like Ethan Hawke. Like no, Ethan there's, Hawk, there's little times he'll make certain facial expression. You go, yeah. Oh, there's Ethan Hawke. But like, like, like honestly for most of the movie, I wasn't even sure which one yeah. he was because yeah. it, it, he didn't, it just the, the Ethan Hawkness of him wasn't there. <laughs> There's um, little little nuggets of Ethan Hawk that yeah. we that we know of. Yeah. I had this experience and funnily enough, it became, I think, a really defining experience for me, Explorers, because of its it was a massive failure. Uh, at the time, it you know, it it came out, it was supposed to be this big hit, they spent a lot of money on it, and it really I don't yeah. think it got one good review and nobody went to see it and it has a cult. But it does, it does now. Yeah. Now there's certain people well, that like it. Even then, there were a few people. But it was, yeah. Well, the, Joe has a cult, so. To me, in the inside of it, yeah. it felt like I had let everyone down. Mm. It, it was this powerful, um, disappointing experience because I had been all hyped up and hepped up to believe that it was going to be the next E.T. And, mm. you know, it was going to have a, fr- you know, I don't know what I thought, but I thought it was going to be important. And it was, you know, dismissed. Um, but no, I really connected with all the kids and various aspects of the kids too. Um, I, I connected. There was so River Phoenix plays the 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 scientist's son. Like he's very much into experimenting, and yeah. he's the one that kind of breaks the code and figures out how they're going to make this little spaceship and how you know this travel could be possible. And then the um, I'm trying to think of the other kid, Jason Presson. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember that actor's so name. So I don't know. I don't know what else he's been in, but he has an element where. He's, you know, I don't know if the mom's around. The dad is obviously an alcoholic, uh, but the dad works the, some. I forget if he said his mom died or left. I think something he's, like I that. Think, I think the mom died in that one too. Oh, good lord! Here we go. Yeah, we're, yeah but but and the, but like, the dad's uh, a deadbeat dad. The dad's a deadbeat. Of. He lives with his girlfriend, mm-hmm. and like we never meet the dad. We never no. see the dad, but we hear like screaming from outside the house, and it's very clear that like he drinks a lot, mm-hmm. is unemployed, just is in a bad place. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's certainly never shown or directly implied that he beats the kid, but it's heavily inferred that he beats the kid, you know, which I think is the best way, the the best form of storytelling, because so many times, especially in more modern movies, they have to spell everything out. And if this was made today, you would have some scene where you either would see the boy being somewhat either physically abused or yelled at by the dad. You would meet the dad. Right. Uh, or like he would have a bruise that he's covering up. Right. Or he would, there'd be, be something like, like yeah, hey everyone, this is a bad thing. But like the, the, the character Darren, like he covers for the dad. He's like, yeah, he's okay. Yeah. You know, he does this and he does this, but he's, you know, he's, 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 you know, he's basically covering for a guy that he obviously loves and is just not but he's just not good at being a dad yeah and it's and that's the good tell at the end of the movie Uh, can we just jump right i mean i'm not saying jump to the end but like the end of the movie yeah yeah the the end of the movie is they they meet these aliens and then the aliens say that there's a space pirate taking them over and it's this huge alien who's like screaming at them (laughs) and it's darren who figures out that that's not a space pirate that's their dad yeah the aliens they met are the kids and the alien dad is just like his dad. It's a huge, overwhelming, overpowering presence that doesn't listen. He just screams, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And that's all you need to know. Like, you know, and, and he just says it so matter of factly. He's just like, no, that's their father. Yeah. You know, because that's the father he's used to. And the other two kids 
have, you know, have mom and dads or sorry, they have a normal family and their fathers are, you know, just part of the family. They're mm-hmm. not the way that Darren's Darren's upbringing is. Yeah. So that's that's the drive at home moment. And it's still kind of subtle. Yeah. You know? It's it's funny that we kind of can just jump to two sections of, of this film because the Explorers definitely feels like two different movies. But in this it does. But in this sense, like for me watching it back again, for me, it really works now. And this is another one of those films that in different part points of my life, like I loved it as a child and I think I was in college and I was kind of in, in my, a little bit more of a, uh, I don't know. I was a little, little more trying to be like the auteur. Like I, I watched like, you know, really good films and I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, Explorers is not a good film. <laughs> you know, the, the, the storytelling and the script is just all over the place and there's no, there's no uh, point A to point B. There's no mm-hmm. third act structure. There's, you know, whatever, all that <laughs> bullshit. Um, so I kind of wrote it off at that age and now coming back around to it of course again I introduced my kids to this movie and they ate it up I was about to ask how did they react to it because you've got you've got you've got kids aging from 5 to 13 yeah did they They watch it it recently yeah uh, yeah yeah they within the last year within the last year yeah and and they they love it they totally connect with the kids they love the section where the kids are figuring out how this technology works i love it so much all that stuff it's great i mean you know you normally would see a full-on movie like hour and a half movie in the 80s with just this and be great um but then it takes that turn and they actually go into space and of course then you meet these aliens and the kids loved it then because they go up into space. They meet these aliens. It's all kind of uh, you don't really know what they're meeting, right? There's, it's ridiculous. There's, there's, That's the thing is that like like in almost every movie I've ever seen, the aliens are always presented as a superior race yeah. or or maybe a mystery and maybe evil and maybe whatever. But they're always a superior being. Right. Like they're always of a higher intelligence because they've perfected space travel and all of those things. They're presented as like a a mystery. But like a mystery that you want to solve because you want to gain a higher enlightenment. Yeah. These aliens are a mystery because they're fucking weird. <laughs> Wolfgang? Hey guys. Where you been? Looking for you. We were worried about you. Do you have any consideration for your friends? Tarzan. 
What do I have to do? Eat a banana? Like, like, like you don't, you honestly kind of don't know what's happening because like they have learned from earth because of radio signals. Yeah. So like they directly quote, I love Lucy. They directly quote Bob Hope. They even do the voices and it's yeah. hard to even tell where the aliens real voice and where the aliens like, yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, mimicry if, catch, right. you know, catches in. I, I don't know like, if they're, if, if, I don't know if they're, if, if Joe Dante was just like, Oh, just get the clips from these things and put them in. Right. And this is what I want to talk like, like Joe Dante, like, I'm wondering what was in the script and what wasn't. Oh, Cause, it's, yeah. Because Joe Dante, there's so many, I mean, there's definitely references in the beginning of the film to this island Earth because uh, yeah. uh, is Ethan Hawke's character is watching this island Earth yeah. uh, earlier in the movie. There's references to all sorts of other early science fiction movies and all, like, just tons of television. And, yeah, these, these alien kids have basically their TV and radio junkies and that's all they've done and that and that's all they've they've memorized and they're so fascinated with earth that they want to somehow get earth kids up to them to visit so they can meet them because in, in their minds if they meet adults and all that they've seen in these films is that grown-ups you know kill aliens yeah that was a great reveal is that like you know hey we know how you guys are and they show all the clips of like saucers being blown up and like monsters being shot down from buildings and Mm -hmm. like hey if you don't you know if you're not a human we're gonna kill you Mm -hmm. um yeah it's yeah and like and like you said like basically the, the, the whole point of the movie is these aliens have been implanting dreams in kids like uh dick miller's character who right. sees them in the in the helicopter right like when he's talking it through he mentions to someone on the phone that he 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 hadn't had a dream like that since he was a kid yeah. so like these messages have been going out for decades or if not longer so how old are these kid aliens they must age way differently than than humans it has to be i mean because well yeah it has to be or or it's just been that race has been doing yeah. it like it because it might not just be those kids just like how just like how like any tv like any popular tv show you know a bunch of kids a bunch of people watch it like you know the whether it be you know the smurfs or the yeah the, uh, yeah, or yeah master of the universe like <clears throat> more than just one neighborhood is seeing it and it's it yeah it, or it could be just the same kids who want to meet them but i just think it's fascinating that was the whole point is like we're going to send you technology just so you can come and visit us because mm-hmm. we just want to see the people that actually and they just want to hang out right like, they just want to hang out and, and there, there's like a whole stretch of this film that it's just the 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 male alien uh just performing yeah, he's like doing a stand-up routine. <laughs> he's doing Ed Sullivan. It's he's crazy. Doing, uh, there's some Elvis in there, I yep. believe. There's there. He's just performing. He's doing and a then, lot of Bob Hope. He's doing. He's do, It's crazy. It's really funny. And uh, and and like like you said, man, the effects, the makeup effects they got going They're on there. So good. I don't know if the girl alien was just. 100% animatronic but I know that the boy was credited to uh, a specific guy some sort of character actor actually played him yeah because he was doing most of the because they also the, the did talking. that they also did that uh, that drive-in movie star killer that yeah, is yeah. a made-up movie like yeah. like like Joe Dante just made up scenes from a movie yeah. and shot it and put it in God, the movie I love it when he does that he did that in you know matinee of course yeah. you know with Mant <laughs> and and like the main guy in Star Killer, the Star Killer guy yeah. is the guy who plays right. the alien. Yeah, and yeah, it's just a it's just a funny character actor doing bits for thirty minutes. And like as an adult, it's like 
it's effective because I was confused. <laughs> like, like these kids are like, what is happening? And I'm on a plane watching this being like, what is happening? Like, what is the point? Like, yeah. are they, and, and, and then when it's revealed that these are just kids and they're just having a good time and wanting attention and that's all they're doing. Yeah. Like, just like any kid who wants attention, just, playtime. just, yeah, just starts talking and singing and like getting in front of people and doing stuff. Yeah. It's, that's all it is. But like, as an adult, I'm watching this and being like, is this it? Is this what it's going to be? This, this, like, what's going a, on? This is a very, if you're looking at overall plot, this is a very thinly plotted film as far yes. as that goes. Um, I feel like there's a lot more going on with maybe character and theme. Yes. I would imagine. But, um, but that's what I think I feel like makes the explorers like so rewatchable because I think I've picked up on different things each time. I mean, it, it could easily be written off as, well, there's no plot. There's not a lot going on. Right. Um, and that could be true, maybe, but, um, these kids learn a lot and it, it is a journey of self discovery in a sense, um, with these kids, but it's not, it's just, it's, done so differently than I think that I've seen a lot of kids movies done kids movies are generally a b c whatever plotted you right. know, done there's a, there's a third act and there's a villain of some sort and, and we're good to go well and that's the thing with this movie there isn't there's no villain a villain no. like 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 you think it might be the bully in the very beginning right and then that's the only scene he's in yeah. realistically you know I think the the bull the the main thing they need to overcome i think is their own obstacles right and it's very subtle like it's like i said it's not beat over the head with what each kid needs to come up overcome yeah um one of them needs to get you know he wants some confidence so he can like the girl that he likes yeah you know and she needs to kind of overcome you know the batteries there and she's not in it a whole lot but and 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 a darren needs to like get out of his household and actually find friends he connects with and the dork kid needs to you know succeed being a dork, but also again friendship and all those things, right? Yeah, and and that that like you said that 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 is the bad guy. And the one thing I love about this movie, and I think why it works, why it works so well for me as an adult, and while I know I would have liked it as a kid, like mm-hmm. had I seen this, I would have been like, that's great and mm-hmm. fun. But as an adult, you're watching these kids whose entire lives, especially the especially Ethan Hawke, his whole life has been like, I want to. I, I love aliens yeah. and I love this stuff and I love sci-fi and I love this. And then once it becomes the possibility of being real, he does everything in his power to meet these aliens because he wants to experience all the things that he's been told about them. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to the alien world or you get to the alien ship, you find out that aliens don't have it figured out any better than we do. Like, right. like, like this intelligent life and all the they're things they can do. Thing. They're just, they're struggling with all the same stuff that the kids on earth are struggling yeah. with. And I think that's an awesome lesson that maybe the kids won't, maybe the kids won't take it home as much because there is so many jokes and funny bits and references of things that they might know. Mm-hmm. It's just supposed to be a funny kind of sequence. But as an adult, you look at that and you're like, doesn't matter how intelligent you are. Doesn't matter how advanced you are. You're still struggling with everyday yeah. shit. Well, I, I think, and that's the whole point. I mean, spoilers for explorers, I guess, and space invaders. We we we, we spoil these films, but these films are old enough, I think, to not worry about it. But I think the whole point 
of the end of the film was that both of these races, right, the aliens and the kids, they both know that they have the same struggles. Yeah. And at the end, they're both connected because they can still communicate through the dreams. Yeah. Right. And that's the whole ending of the movie. And it's not I mean, that's the thing about this. Like this movie just kind of exists. It doesn't have a flat out like this is the end. Right. It's like it starts to end and there's like still stuff going on and they're yeah. still kind of in this little dream thing. It ends with the whole idea that like they're just going to go back again and maybe they'll build a bigger ship this time. Maybe yeah. they'll stay longer. Maybe uh, like it's just it's just this It's basically like it's basically, you know, it's it's like it's like meeting the kid from the down from down the street and visiting their house every so yeah. often. Only this time it's aliens. Me, yeah. But I just, you know, I just, uh, I I think the way it's presented and and how it's presented is, like I said, most alien stuff is all. I'm a superior race. I'm a smarter race. I can kill you. I can destroy you. I can shape Earth into a better version of itself. And these aliens are just like, hey, we want to goof off and have a good time. My dad's a jerk. <laughs> And I love, I love that. I love that that is the intelligent, like space traveling, like space traveling, dream interpreting, dream planting, architecting race. There's a bunch of goofballs who just want to explore just like the earth kids do. That's all it is. It's just that it, it, because, because they can't get away from their dad, the earth kids can, and they're going to come over to their house instead of going over to their house. Right. I just, I just love that concept as like intergalactic friends. Yeah. And that's it. There's no, there's no message. Mm-hmm. It's just, let's hang out and have a good time. And well, there is a message. It's, it's that, it's that everyone struggles and everyone has the same there's things. A, yeah. And there's but, a message like it's, it's accepting each other and yeah, knowing accepting that you both, yourself and accepting, yeah. yeah, accepting each other and like, and like learning from your friends. But it's just, it's just such a wonderful concept as a movie. And I do love that there's no villain besides just the everyday struggles and overcoming, you know, your own insecurities and what you perceive as your own in, uh, mm-hmm. inabilities and leveraging your friends to overcome it, you know? Yeah. Well, The Explorers um, is not out on Blu-ray. I believe there was a DVD. I'm not sure if it's out of print or not. Yeah, um, I bought my copy on iTunes. Okay. Uh, it is available that you can get yeah, on I ha- Amazon I got mine on I got mine on Vudu. Yeah. And I guess it's linked to Ultraviolet and movies everywhere, I guess, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. uh, it's in HD, though, which was, I was yeah. surprised. It looked good. That it was in HD. And looks looks better than Space Invaders. It definitely looks better than Space Invaders. Um, this is something that I would love to, I would love it if some distributor put this sucker out and I would love to hear insights from Joe Dante about this film because I feel like this is one I haven't heard him talk about a lot. Had I decided to go ahead and make that movie, uh, if if it had turned out well, I think my career would have gone in a completely different direction because I, I made the mistake of signing on to a picture called Explorers, which was being done at Paramount. And uh, it was one of those scripts where you, you, there's a guy in the room where you read it, and then he takes it with him because you're not allowed, not allowed to have it. So I, I, I the, pick, the script wasn't quite finished. I mean, it, it, it was about kids who build a spaceship and go to another planet and um, uh, meet these kids uh, who turn out to be alien children, and they play baseball and they go home. Uh, and I, I, so I said, just, just show me something more interesting toward the end. Uh, but they said, no, it's a, we, we're going to make this picture and we really want to have it out by this date or whatever. And this was like um, the beginning of the year. Grommel had, had, had just come out. And 
I said, well, yeah, there really isn't much time. It's kind of a... I, mean, I was fooling myself into thinking that after Commandments it was going to be a smaller movie because it was just kids in a spaceship. But in fact, it was a very big deal, special effects-wise. Um, and I said, this is really not much time. And he said, well, you know, it, it, we really would like to have it for the summer. It would be good if it would be nice if we could have it for the summer, wouldn't it? And I said, yeah, I guess it would be nice. <laughs> well, we, we rewrote the picture on the fly. We rewrote it while we were shooting. We cast Ethan Hawke in his first movie, River Phoenix. Um, it, it, we uh, built sets that were still wet when we got there. The paint was wet. The cement wasn't dry. Kids' feet would go in them because uh, we were in just such a hurry to finish the movie. We finally cobbled something together, and uh, they came to us and they said, "Well, you know, uh, we know the movie was going to come out in August, but we, we need it earlier. We need it in uh, we need it in July now. We need it a month earlier." And I said, "No, it's not going to be finished." They said, "Just stop working on it. Just just put together what you got, and just that's what we'll release." So we 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 worked like crazy. We worked night and day. It was a movie made by people who stayed up too late, uh, and we worked for night and day for weeks with no days off. Uh, and we <laughs> delivered the movie. They opened it on the day of the Live Aid concert when no one went to the movies. And uh, combined with the terrible ad, which looked like a piece of tar paper, you couldn't. It's all black. You couldn't see anything. Uh, and the end, of course, the, the piece de resistance was that the only ad line was from the director of Gremlins. And it proceeded to just completely tank and get terrible reviews. And because um, it, was, it was a rough cut. I mean, it wasn't really a finished movie. It was just wherever we were at the time, we just sort of stopped and put it out. People would come up to me over the years and said, no, I love the movie. I think it's a sweet movie. Spielberg loved it. He thought it was great. He, he got a print in his house. He used to run for his kids. Um, but it's not, it's not the movie I had in mind because it's not finished. So um, that's a movie I don't often read it. It's a kid's movie that doesn't talk down to the audience. Like, it's so accessible, I think, to both parents and grown-ups and even if you don't have kids um is accessible to the kids too yeah so if you've like you know this is movie that has stuck with me a long time and i've loved it for a long time and for me like i can obviously bailey loves it too she's a fan she is yeah i know i I know are you I know the aliens are has, weird. Has and ta- I know, has, I know, Bailey, I, I was I was disappointed that we didn't get to see the dog blow bubble gum either. I oh, thought they were going to do that. Right? I know, right? How does the dog chew, chew bubble gum? <laughs> Man, this movie's so good. There's so many good segments to it. I love it. I love when they build their spaceship. Like like I said, this is almost two separate movies, but they they work hand in hand together. Yeah. Um the both parts of the films are so well done and just so fun. So check it out. Uh, like I said, it's on HD digital and you'll, you'll be able to watch it there. I, I, I mean, uh, yeah, surprised that shot factory hasn't, uh, picked this up or it, somebody. It just seems like a perfect shot. It's factory right up title. their alley. It's right up their alley. I, and I'm, I mean, uh, maybe they'll announce it for this year or next year because I mean, like I'm with you though. Like I want to understand what Joe, what Joe Dante was thinking with the, with the last sequences and just, I want to hear all about it. Cause I mean, this movie really worked for me and every, every possible way and it does that great thing with kids movies where it accurately it accurately depicts and captures like the awe and the experience of being young and learning new things and having those new experiences like it just gets them all right and even though it's very cinematic and very a movie it it 
it feels like it is just it is exhilarating to watch these kids build that spaceship. Yeah. I could have watched that for oh, yeah. another half an hour and then had the aliens and for 20 minutes or whatever. Like I, that whole first part where they're exploring and building and learning and trying mm-hmm. and doing a lot of stuff. I was just hooked. I was hooked that. in that. Loved it. Uh, but, you know, uh, we're going to go, we're going to go around in circles here, but I was, I was, you remind me that, um, I was surprised once they get up to the out to space how much more time we had. Yeah, because I was I in my mind I remembered oh it was only like they made the last fifteen minutes, but yeah, no, it's like they're forty. Yeah, it's like 40, 45 minutes yeah. for sure. It's like like this like the like, movie almost splits in two. Yeah, I think I think the movie's an hour and fifty, probably five minutes of credits. Yeah, and right at about an hour they get to space, <laughs> and it's like oh they're no they're up here for yeah half of the film, but it but it. It's so entertaining. It, it doesn't is. feel that long. Just, it is. Yeah. All right. Well, that was uh, Joe, Ta- Joe Dante's Explorers from 1985. Uh, check it out. Let us know what you guys think. Um, you, of course, can drop me a line over on Twitter, Xenopod5000. You can also find me on Twitter, uh, Sean C. DeRager. I'll let you figure out how to spell that yourself. And... <laughs> Tom Nix, where can people find you online, good sir? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at uh, the Tom Nix. That's T H E T O M N I X. Yes. Uh, your podcast is coming to the Screaming Pods Network very, very soon. Very soon. And wrestling uh, is everything. And everything is wrestling. And I do have a Twitter handle for it, but nothing's on the page. So I'll okay. I'll tweet that out once it's actually like created. The best thing you can do is follow Screaming Pods on Twitter. Yes. Uh, Screaming Pods. That's what it is. Or go to ScreamingPods.com and check that check that out. I'm really... Yeah, this whole Screaming Pods thing has been a lot of fun. And it's actually... Yeah taken off more than I would have even imagined. So I want to thank all of you for listening. And it, this made this little side project podcast possible because I have a place for it. So thank all of you for discovering this and man, exciting stuff coming up in the future. Um, in the year 5,000, in the year (laughs) 5,000, hold on. I got to find the the year uh, 5,000 in the year 5,000 on the next Xenopod from the year 5,000 Brad Henderson is going to join me and we're going to talk about the Maze Runner trilogy okay but we have a special guest that's going to be coming on the show he's not going to come on during the film discussion but there will be an interview with the director Wes Ball and super nice guy to kind of uh, accept you know accept my little request He's been great. We've been chatting back and forth. And so I'm really excited to have a, a, a conversation with Wes Ball about the Maze Runner trilogy. And uh, spoiler alert, I think you guys, if you haven't watched the Maze Runner movies, give them a shot. Because surprisingly, I was shocked that I love these as, as much as I do. So check those out. And very exciting podcast episode in the works for a month from today. So I want to thank all of you for listening and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. I have no parting words. (laughs) 